0: Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. It is 9.07, and uh, coming up this morning, we are going to hear from Jennifer Bukowski, criminal defense attorney extraordinaire. She's going to be on with us at around 10.30, and she's got some very interesting stories that uh, we will chat about. uh, But we also will have uh, Senator Bill Eigel on the program. Uh, He'll be with us at 10 o'clock. Right now, we're going to kick the program off talking a bit about health care. With uh, Congresswoman uh, Anne Marie Uh she served uh, in the, in the House of Representatives. Uh, I'm guessing about, it was about ten years ago. Uh, I've known uh, uh, Anne Marie Burkle for probably twenty years. I I think it goes back that far. But she is uh, she's formerly worked in the healthcare industry, and as she's talking about the cost of health uh, insurance and the cost of healthcare. And she's making, I would argue, uh, some rather libertarian arguments about how to bring down the cost of health care. Anne-Marie Burkle, welcome to the program. How are you this morning?
1: I'm great, Gary. Good morning, and it's wonderful to reconnect. I think we were 10 years old when we met. That's right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, I was up in New York uh, when I was 10 doing that. Uh, anyway, uh, you've written this uh, this piece. Ever since the failure to repeal and replace Obamacare, Republicans have shied away, largely, from the issue of health care. And you're arguing it's a mistake if they don't adopt an agenda to lower health care costs. So what... What should they be arguing? I mean, obviously, they should be saying we'd like to see healthcare costs go down. And how, how do they do that? How, what is the what's the pathway to the lower healthcare costs?
1: Sure, and thank you very much. So let's look at the two largest drivers of healthcare. Number one is the hospitals, and number two are drug costs and so each of those there's a lot of things that members of congress could do but right now you know gary we're in the middle of this open enrollment period and so the americans are going and they're re-signing up for their plans and or maybe changing their plan but seeing that the cost of the premium is up seven percent and their wages you know inflation's up, up about 5.8 percent and their wages are up only a 5.2 percent so It's an issue. The cost of healthcare is an issue and it's something that affects every family, every American in this country, uh, whether you're well or whether you have an illness. It's something that I think the Republicans should be laser focused on to really make sure they do what they need to do to lower the cost of, of healthcare. So if we look at hospitals, Um, What's happened, and, and as you know, I trained at St. Joseph's Hospital here in Syracuse years ago when I trained. It was a small 350, maybe 400 bed hospital run by the Franciscan nuns. Since then, it's been acquired by Trinity Health Systems. This has happened to so many hospitals. and What happens when you get these conglomerations and these mergers of hospitals? it it does a lot of things. One of the things it does is it drives up the cost of healthcare because number one, uh, they have a lot more leverage when they're uh, dealing with the insurance and the, you know, the payers and they can say, well, if you want a sonogram in this area, then this is what it's going to cost you. So they have a lot more leverage that drives up the cost of healthcare. Number two, the, um, with such large systems, there's much more of an opportunity for waste, Fraud and abuse, and there's a, a an a, something called dishonest billing, where you may go to the hospital and visit with your physician, but when the hospital bills it, because your physician now works for that hospital, they bill it as a hospital visit, which is far more expensive to the insurance company. So that drives up costs as well. And and you know, fortunately, I think the Republicans are starting to understand. Uh, Kevin Hearn in the House from Oklahoma. Introduce legislation to address this dishonest billing, and I think that's a very good thing to help lower the cost of, of health care. Uh, so many things they could do, Gary. Always the free market and competition has to be at the center, not the government. That only makes it more expensive and makes it less efficient.
0: Well, the Democrat, the administration, Anne-Marie, uh, is arguing that they're doing something uh, beneficial to lower the cost of prescription drugs. Uh, and, and it may lower the cost of the current drugs, but I think it cripples future uh, uh, pharmaceutical advances because Absolutely. they... Oh, go go ahead, ahead, explain.
1: No, I was just going to say what they're doing is really Obamacare for drugs. So now we're going from health care to covering pharmacy costs um, with the government in, in inserted into that equation. And that's never good. That always only drives up the cost of things. Again, what Republicans, again, should be laser focused and what they can do is um, so many things. Uh, For instance, Mike Lee introduced legislation. If we could cut out some of the red tape and get the FDA to approve generics and bioidenticals more quickly so we're not using name brand drugs, that'll get the cost of healthcare down.
0: All right, well, when hold is, it, hold it, hold it, hold it. Bioidenticals, uh, explain what those are.
1: So that's a drug that has this essentially uh, it's not the name brand, but it has the exact same properties and will have the exact same effect on the patient. And so it's because it is not protected with uh, the name brand, it is a lot cheaper, uh, similar to a generic drug. And so we shouldn't be afraid to use those uh, in the marketplace But what we need to do is modernize the FDA, streamline it. So these drugs, because they have the same properties as the already approved drugs, they should be able to get through that process a lot quicker. And that will lower the cost of drugs.
0: Well, suppose then I'm a pharmaceutical company and I've invested a billion or two in creating this new pharmaceutical. Um, Do I get to hold a patent on that for a certain amount of time before the generics can take over?
1: Yes, and and that's you raise another excellent point, Gary. There's a whole game going on with patents. Certainly, all of the technology, the research and development that's gone into drug production should be protected um, by a patent. However, what drug companies do uh, more frequently than we even know, is they play games. They create what's called a patent thicket. And so maybe they change the color of the pill or the capsule. Maybe they change something, uh, you know, very not really the integrity of the medicine. And so then they renew that patent and they extend that patent and that coverage. And so there's a lot of things, again, modernizing the FDA, not letting pharmaceuticals play games, you know, and, and you raise, I mean, it's an excellent point. We have to protect and make sure they're doing the research and development for new drugs and new pharmacologies. But at the same time, they can't play games with the patents because that, again, drives up the cost of, of drugs. And it doesn't permit the use of generics and or bioidenticals.
0: If, uh, if you modernize the Food and Drug Administration, personally, I would make it uh, so that they, they just advise instead of control, but if you modernize them, then the cost of, of uh, getting a, pharmace- a pharmaceutical from the chemist to the drugstore plummets. They recover their investment much more quickly and are probably a little less likely to play those kinds of games.
1: That's absolutely correct. That's it, You're absolutely correct. Um, you know, anytime you get government out of the equation and you allow competition to take hold and you allow competition to take place, things become cheaper and they become better because that's what the American people demand. I do want to raise one other issue about drugs, and it's an important one because right now you've got both parties, uh, Republicans and Democrats, working to weaken um, what's known as a pharmacy benefit manager. And you may have seen it in ads. Pharma has really gone on an all-out attack on PBMs. But what PBMs do is they negotiate the cost of the drug between pharma and the healthcare plan. And they have the ability to lower the cost of the drug for that plan. They're the only, really the only entity on that whole drug supply chain that's incentivized financially to get that drug lower. And so with Bernie Sanders, and this is something that's really remarkable, Bernie Sanders is the chairman of the Senate Health Committee. That's the committee of jurisdiction for healthcare in this country. Everyone knows what Bernie Sanders has always wanted to do. He wants a single pair. So everything he does goes in that direction that incrementally gets us to single payer. Now, why are the Republicans going along with him? That's the question um, that I can't figure it out. Why would you let Bernie Sanders take the lead on health care policy? It's just not, not wise, it's not sound, and certainly not what's going to get us uh, to lower the cost of drugs and health care.
0: So we could be, well, actually, uh, Republicans could be promoting these issues, uh, not just at the federal level, but at the state level. I mean, they could be uh, uh, supporting this kind of legislation. I think the problem here, Anne-Marie, is that they are afraid. Uh, The Democrats have uh, kind of a lock on the you know, we're going to provide you with the uh, affordable health care argument, and Republicans are afraid to tackle it. And I think they should jump in with both feet and make their case. I think you make a valid point.
1: I couldn't agree with you anymore, Gary, that the Republicans should go on the offense with this issue. All we have to do is look at the Affordable Care Act and what that has done uh, to the cost of health care and the availability of health care. The government never, never makes things more efficient and never makes them less expensive. Um, it's really something, it's the right thing to do. And politically it would be smart, but it's the right thing to do. You know, Bill, uh, Gary, 38% of the American people have indicated they would cross party lines if that party was willing and able to lower the cost of health care premiums. That's significant. And that's if the Republicans would make their case and take it on, head-on, not be afraid of it, I think they could really do well with this issue. And it's the right thing to do. I mean, it, it's American people are hurting with inflation, with the cost of energy, the cost of fuel for your car, food. And, and if the Republicans can help lower the cost of health care, it's really the right thing to do.
0: I just read a study that said those states that have uh, engaged in the expansion of Medicare, uh, Medicaid uh, it simply costs them more money and that the out- health outcomes uh, actually seem to be going in the opposite direction. Uh, so it, it really does need to be tackled and explained. Anne-Marie Burkle uh, is a, a former congresswoman from uh, the state of New York, and she's worked in the healthcare industry. And uh, even beyond that, she was uh, the commissioner and acting chairwoman of the Consumer Product Safety Commission. And where can they get more information uh, from you?
1: Um, I have a Twitter account, and um, you can just Google my name, Anne-Marie Burkle, B-U-E-R-K-L-E, and slash healthcare. And all of the articles I've written will come up, and uh, you can have access to that information.
0: Anne-Marie Burkle, thank you for being with us. Say hello to my friends up there in New York.
1: I sure will, Gary. Have a Merry Christmas, and
0: it's wonderful to catch up with you. Great to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. All right, so apparently uh, we have people going to bed hungry, and the federal government is highlighting it. We'll talk about it next. It's 923. Jennifer Bukowski will be with us about an hour from now, actually about 1035. Missouri Supreme Court weighing whether crimes against children should sever parental rights. Uh, We'll give you that story with uh, Jennifer when she gets on. Only in America could this possibly be news. You recall, Brian, that uh, we have a problem with people living in a quote-unquote food desert. Yes. They can't They can't get to the grocery store it's just because it's like a mile home, and a half yeah, away from home. Yeah, wow. it's a, terrible. Uh, we now have a study indicating that a significant number of Americans uh, have suffered hunger. They They didn't get enough to eat. Uh, I don't know exactly what that means. Does that mean they they forgot to, to bring cash and they didn't get to go to the Roach Coach for lunch? Uh, does it mean they went to bed hungry? We don't know. It's kind of a generic study. But, uh, uh, you know, you add the fact that we have so many living in a food desert and so many who have suffered from hunger. You get the feeling that we're in real trouble here. But in America, we have another problem. Uh, The story is that uh, Fortune magazine, uh, severe obesity increasing among young American children, new study confirms. So apparently, um, they're not so hungry that they're not putting on weight. And they're not so far from a grocery store that they don't have access to food. Only in America could you have all three of these be an issue that the government wants to solve. Is that amazing? Severe obesity, well, then apparently they're not terribly hungry. A new study adds to the evidence that severe obesity is becoming more common in children in the United States. There was some hope that children in a government food program might be bucking a trend in obesity rates. Earlier research found rates were dropping a little about a decade ago for those kids... But an update released Monday in the journal Pediatrics shows the rate bounced back up a bit uh, by 2020. It, you know, there's just no making some people happy. They're just—it's just not possible. Oh Lord, you—you you, just—you can't make this stuff up. Eight seven four ninety three ninety eight hundred five two nine five five seven two. As you know. Um, they, um, The UAE, they had this uh, great big global warming summit. Uh, if you were at the Christmas dinner, you heard Tony Lupo exclaim uh, the benefits of failure because they didn't come up with an agreement to eliminate CO2. But, as and I've seen this happen with other stories, when the left have something they want to push, they, uh, they will you know, have some big confab. And then, moments after it ends, there will be a series of studies that support their belief that get released to the public. Uh, it, it, if you don't believe it, uh, go back and look at the old secondhand smoke crap, and it really is—it was nonsense. They would, uh, some state would say we're uh, you know we're voting to get rid of uh, uh, secondhand smoke in, in bars and restaurants, and then some left-leaning group would come up with a study. Endorsing that it happened every time, and, and, and this is the same sort of thing. So now there is a story um, at uh, msn exoplanets uh, climate. It takes nothing to switch from habitable to hell, according to researchers. Uh, it just, it just, it you know, it's the way it works. They they have their confab, and then out come the studies. It's so wonderful. They're talking about Earth blue and green dot covered with oceans and life. Well, Venus is a yellowish sterile sphere that is not only inhospitable, but also sterile. However, the difference between the two is only a few degrees in temperature. They, <laughs> I, I mean, w- really, the difference between, you've got to be kidding me. How did they get this printed? A team of astronomers from the University of Geneva, with the support of the CNRS laboratories of Paris and Bordeaux, achieved the world's first uh, by uh, managing to uh, simulate an uh, uh, entirety of the runaway greenhouse gas process that can transform the climate of a planet from idyllic and perfect for life to a place... More harsh and hostile. So,
2: by the way, the temperature on Venus, I think I should interject here, it's 867 degrees. You know, just so that's, you know, that's just a few degrees in temperature difference between what we have here on Earth.
0: Brian, that's because some Venusian like you a million years ago when they had SUVs <laughs> didn't give it up. I know. I uh, they terrible. kept driving it and now look at them. Eight hundred degrees, it's 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 inevitable. (laughs) So it's just it's the kind of stupid you would expect. So then they came. Then there was this uh, climate at at, COP twenty eight, the climate conference. They were upset about cattle, U.S. cattle producing greenhouse gases. Uh, and and somebody came up with a a, a meme that says 1820 30 million bison roam North America climate is normal 2020 30 million cattle roam North America danger climate emergency go <laughs> vegan They of course came out and said well we don't think there were uh that many uh bison uh, I don't know how they know that but I don't <laughs> I don't think that the bison are the or the cows are the problem here don't question the experts yeah yeah don't don't ever do that and then of course there's the the whole um you can't exhale it's it's you breathing <laughs> thing there it, it, we're going to get inundated with with these kinds of studies indicating the world is collapsing that's how you know it's a load of horse manure All right, uh, yeah, we've got a little more information here that you might find interesting about the University of Pittsburgh. Uh, It's going to make you sick. I'll tell you next. This is the Gary Nolan Show. It is 935, and it is uh, the Gary Nolan Show. Glad to have you with us. Uh, In response to my story about the uh, government uh, arguing that we all live, uh, that so many Americans live in a food desert, and then complaining that uh, some people are. Apparently uh going to bed hungry uh, or just getting uh, suffering from hunger at one point or another, exactly what that means i don 't know and then complaining that we have an obesity epidemic, uh, Melissa sent me a message good morning gary the kids getting uh, the kids are getting food just crappy choices. cheap food is not necessarily good for you, yeah, but you can get less expensive, healthier food than junk food. I mean, go out and buy a banana, and it'll cost less than a candy bar, and it'll give you (laughs) to be a lot healthier. There's all kind. There are all kinds of options out there. Um, So, anyway, uh, I want to move on because there is something going on in Pittsburgh, the university that is about as ugly as anything I have ever read, Uh, and it deals with aborted fetuses purposely brought out Still Alive. I'll give you the details in just a few minutes. Uh, but first, uh, the speaker from our uh, annual Christmas party, uh, Senator Bill Igel he uh, spoke and uh, apparently a lot of people liked what he had to say. Brian, before I go to Senator Igle, yes, sir. Uh, you, uh, you get your personal property tax on your car?
2: Yeah, and I still haven't paid it. It's just huh. hanging there on the refrigerator and I, I just can't I can't let the money go, you know? <laughs> 150 $200? Yeah, 2 used cars, about $500.
0: Two used cars, $500 yeah. rent. Oh, my yeah. God.
2: Oh, Lord. And, and by the way, the, yeah. it went up from last year. <laughs> they found depreciating cars, a year older. Old cars that went more. Yeah, it's more expensive.
0: The car's a year older and it costs yes. more? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Senator Bill Igel, welcome. Glad to have you
3: on the Gary Nolan Show. How are you? Hey, good morning, Gary. Thanks for having me, as usual.
0: <laughs> so, uh, Brian's <laughs> Brian's cars are older, and it's costing him more. Uh, <laughs> how stupid is that tax?
3: Well, gosh, I, I feel like we could spend an entire day on this. Uh, unfortunately, I, I don't. I don't think we actually have to. I think that uh, every single Missourian that's been paying this terrible tax. Uh, for as long as they've been in Missouri, already knows that this is a horrible tax, that hammers our working and middle-income class households. And uh, unlike the other states, the, unlike the other majority of states that have already gotten rid of personal property tax, Missouri needs to follow their example. And, you know, this is I, – I, I get, you know, people that love government start getting nervous that, well, wait a minute, are we not going to have enough money for government – Gary, you and I have been talking for a long time. All the problems we have in this state, none of them have to do with a lack of our cash, enough of our cash going to government. So let's, let's put the, the good of government, uh, the comfort of government aside for just a minute, uh, and really speak to the fact that in order for Missouri to really unleash its economy, in order to really help the working middle income class households of the state, we got to get rid of a tax that most other states already have. And by the way, the discussion about personal property tax and whether or not we should, should get rid of it is not a discussion about whether or not we actually uh, believe that uh, we should have the local services that may currently be receiving funding from it. I mean, most every rational person uh, wants to see uh, the necessary dollars get to our public schools or our fire departments or our police departments or what have you. It is, however, a discussion that... Uh, is uh, whether or not charging people rent on their cars every December 1st for the crime of owning that car is a good way to fund those important local services. Well, most states have already figured out that the answer is no. And they have figured out that when they get away from bad taxes like personal property taxes, their economies flourish much better than what we're seeing here in the state of Missouri. There's other taxes, of course, I can point to. You and I have had extended conversations about income taxes and other forms. But the reality is, Missouri is just taking too much from its citizens. I mean, Jefferson City spends twice as much per person that a state like Florida is spending. And how could that be? Because look at Florida, they have a much more elderly population. They're growing much faster than Missouri. And coincidentally, they don't have personal property tax down there. They don't have income tax. And for folks that say well florida's got a lot of beaches well how about the state of tennessee tennessee doesn't have any beaches they don't have personal property tax they don't have income taxes and they're growing a heck of a lot faster than missouri is so i just think that it's about time when jefferson city that we had somebody that's going to stand up instead of just talking about these things in campaign season let's actually use those super majorities of republicans that we have let's get this done let's get rid of personal property tax
0: senator bill igel is our guest so i get up at uh, four thirty in the morning uh, and I start working, and I end up uh, putting in at least at least 60 hours a week uh, between uh, uh, all the different radio broadcasts. Then I get my paycheck, out of which the federal government takes the income tax and the FICA tax, and the state government takes their income tax. And then I go out and buy a car upon which I pay a sales tax, and then they tax the car on an annual basis, along with farm equipment and everything else. I want to throw a question out there for listeners. If there is anybody out there within the sound of my voice that is afraid to lose the personal property tax, if there is somebody within the sound of my voice who thinks we have to keep the personal property tax, I want to know why. Uh, It's not to tear you up or to attack you. It is to find out what your fear is. Uh, The the toll-free number is 800-529-5572. Locally, it's eight seven four ninety three ninety, or you can go to GaryNolan.com and voice your concern there. Anybody out there who is afraid to get rid of the personal property tax, that you think something horrible will happen,
3: let me know. You know, Gary, you, you know, Gary it's it's you, you brought up a really good point here, and really the only defense that advocates I've heard of that, that are afraid of getting rid of the personal property taxes to use this idea of fear of the unknown, you know, fear that something bad is going to happen, fear that suddenly we're not going to be able to put out fires in our communities, fear that our, our public schools are going to collapse, fear that uh, there's just, there's just not going to be enough money for government. Uh, This fear. And, you know, I, 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 when I think of the election cycle that is building up here in 2024, you know, there's this big status quo at the local level and in the, in the, uh, in the, in the state level where, the folks that are benefiting from all this, from this tax culture. I mean, we're taxed on everything. You said our income, our personal property, our property, our sales, our insurance, our cigarettes, you name it. Every time we turn around, we're, there's another tax. We live in a tax culture. We took, we had a revolution in this country where, where there was a 50-cent stamp tax put on something. And now we have come so far from that moment that... Nothing can move or exist in this country without facing some form of fee or registration. And, and and the folks that are benefiting, truly benefiting from all that government and all that spending, they're the ones that are actually going back out to the general public saying, be afraid of keeping more of that money. Be afraid of this. Be afraid of that. Be afraid of these terrible consequences that's going to happen if government gets a little bit smaller. Even though, you know, all those local services that are funded by personal property tax, every one of them, our school districts, our fire boards, every one of them have never had more much as, as much of, of our money as they have right now adjusted for inflation. So if anybody's thinking about calling in saying, hey, haven't prices gone up? Well, adjusted for inflation. We still have a record amount of money going into all those local services. For folks saying, well, how are we going to replace the money? Well, we've increased the budget in, in Jefferson City. By $25 billion just in the past seven years, and the value of every personal property tax bill is only $1.7 billion. So government's got plenty of our money. You don't have enough of your money. Let's stop giving it to government. Let's stop worrying about if, whether or not government's going to be okay. Let's worry about if those working and middle-income in- class households are going to be okay.
0: What was that Reagan quote, if it moves, tax it? If it keeps moving, and if it stops moving, subsidize it. <laughs> uh, I can't remember the exact quote or in its entirety, but it's along those lines. Let me grab a couple of quick phone calls here, and I want to start with Donnie on the personal property tax. Donnie, welcome to the program. Good morning. Good
3: morning, Gary.
4: Uh, I'll be real quick about it, but... If we were to get rid of this property tax, and people are smart enough because they, they have these Christmas Club accounts.
3: As I have done over the years, the Christmas Club account for me was to save money all year long so I could pay my property taxes at the end of the year. It really wasn't to spend money on
4: Christmas. But if we kept that Christmas Club account, we might
3: actually have money to spend at Christmas. Yep. To me, that makes sense. Get rid of the tax and not have money to spend at Christmas time.
0: Yeah, go out and buy something and drive the economy. Absolutely. Exactly. Donnie, exactly. thank you. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Sounds like he was in support of it, uh, Senator. Uh, let me get uh, Frank on the program. By the way, uh, Senator Igle is not here on behalf of any political campaign. Uh, I wanted to talk to him because he is a member of the state Senate, and I wanted his input. Frank, good morning. Good morning. Good um- <clears throat> morning. I am not against getting rid of the personal
4: property tax. I mean, yes, it's a hassle, okay? Um, But the reason is, um, if you were to get rid of it and not move it okay, to something else, I would be all for getting rid of it. But, you you know, you, you look at Iowa and you look at Minnesota, and I deal with those states with properties and stuff. So, what has happened is, they don't have personal property tax, okay, they got rid of it. But, their uh, property tax has gone up. So, for example, if I pay $1,000 in Missouri, Okay, for property tax, and I pay five hundred, say, on cars personal. That's fifteen hundred I'm paying. All right, in Iowa, there's no prop or personal property, but the real estate there won't be a thousand; it'll be fifteen hundred.
0: Okay. All right. So, so now you're now, so now you're writing one less check, um, and yes, you get to right, keep right, and yes, own yes, your right. car. But, yes, and on top but, of that, I think Senator Eigel have- has an answer for you. About well, to, wait a minute,
4: wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me explain why you want to keep the personal property tax, okay? I'm 62 years old, all right? I'm getting ready to retire in the next couple of years. My cars are older. Because I live in Missouri, my property, personal property tax, hopefully will go way down. Instead of paying $500 on cars, because they are now older, I'm only paying 100. dollars so add that on to the 1000 on property, and it's $1,100 i am paying. But if I lived in Iowa, I'd still be paying the 1500 So for people so that... So we should are punish everybody
0: than- else because you're driving an old ba- uh, an old car. Uh, but but I think well, Senator Igle will put that yeah. issue to rest. Well, Senator, what well, would you supplant? It, it, it well, protects, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> <laughs> Senator Igle, how would you supplant... That tax.
3: So, uh, I want to be really clear because this is probably the most common question I get. That people always say, "Hey, how are you going to replace that money?" Here's here's what we need to have in this state. As I mentioned, spending in Jefferson City has increased twenty seven or twenty five billion just in the past seven years. When this is with Republican supermajorities. The personal property tax, the value of every personal property tax on every citizen, in every county, for every business to in total right now is about $1.7 billion. So let me make that clear. We've increased spending at the state by $25 billion. The value of every personal property tax bill in the state is $1.7 billion. So what we need is a governor that's gonna go down into that $51 billion budget and reduce spending or just stop the increase of spending and use the surpluses that are gained by actual fiscal conservatism in our budget to refund the money back to the local areas that they would otherwise lose. From your perspective as the taxpayer, you're going to write the same income tax checks and the sales tax checks and regular property tax, but you're not going to have to write personal property tax. And the only thing that it's going to require, the only thing is just the most minimal amount of fiscal conservative values to take place amongst the Republican supermajorities in Jefferson City. That's it. You don't have to, we don't need to replace it from another tax somewhere. I don't need to, government doesn't need to stab you in the back on the other side of your body after they take the knife out from personal property tax. We've got plenty of cash in this state. And that is before we even get to a discussion of whether or not anybody who's hearing my voice right now thinks, that I, their local, their local I, government is as efficient as,
0: as it can be. I have to interrupt because I'm up against a commercial break. We've got other callers on the line. Frank, I hope that answers your question. appreciate you coming on with us. Senator Igel with us on the Gary Nolan Show. the Zimmer Radio Network. It is 9.54, and I've asked Senator Igel to stay on for an extra couple of minutes here on this personal property tax issue. And I was looking for people who are afraid to get rid of it. Uh, Senator Igel said, you don't have to replace it with anything. We've got more than enough money coming in to pay the bills. Mark sent me a message from com. Why could a petition, why couldn't a petition be done like they did with marijuana? Get it on the ballot. Well, I tried that, Mark. I personally, along with Dave Roland uh, and uh, another friend of mine, Rick, uh, and, and we literally got it drawn up, got it approved. Uh, we were getting signatures and then COVID hit and just kind of shot everything down. Uh, Senator, I'm going to go back and grab a couple more calls, okay? Sounds good. All right, let's start off with Tom on the personal property tax. Good morning, Tom.
4: Yeah, one of the problems we have is the Senate just won't vote on stuff. But we haven't raised this. We have the second lowest cigarette tax in the nation, MBAB, who's a foreign company, we haven't raised the alcohol tax since 1976. We could trade off some of these, get rid of that, and actually do some things. Wait a minute, wait really a minute. Why? Why to...
0: should you? Why would you want to punish people who drink alcohol or smoke? What?
4: What's well, it ten of cents on another beer.
0: Who cares? I mean, I mean,
4: well, we've maybe you don't care, the...
0: but maybe somebody else does. Why would uh, you punish we need them? To
4: get rid of the personal property tax, just period. But they just don't allow them to vote on stuff in that Senate, and it's the same old people, and it's just ridiculous.
3: Senator? So, so one, uh, we don't need to raise any taxes. We could cut a lot of taxes. We don't need to raise any taxes. We could cut a lot of taxes, including personal property tax, including income taxes, and not have to raise anything uh, to offset any of those uh, reduced revenues because we have so much money. Again, I can't say it enough. The revenue in Jefferson City alone has increased from 27 billion to 51 billion in the past, just in the past seven years. So all these problems, none of them have to do with anybody not sending enough of their cash to to Jefferson City. And by the way, I heard a very similar argument uh, when we used to be talking about the, the gas tax, and and I hear a lot of Republicans say, "Well, you know, we haven't raised the gas tax since John Ashcroft was governor." And uh, you know, I've always said. Just because the tax is low is not a reason to raise it. So we, we've got to keep in mind that the problem is not that government needs all this money that it's taking us right now. The problem is that the tax burden is too heavy. Let's reduce the tax burden.
0: All right, Tom, thank you for the call. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Uh, Debbie is uh, next in line, and uh, Debbie, good morning. Good
5: morning. Um, very interesting conversation this morning. Um, I would like to say that I have a um, complaint because I, because my husband and I we work very hard, and we've only been in Missouri for probably five years, and this involuntary servitude that uh, Missouri has has been a thorn in my side since we've been here. Um, I own a I own a Tesla. We work hard for our money, and my bill this year was thirteen hundred and five dollars for driving my car. And not only that, but I also get a bill from the the uh motor vehicles for a hundred and eleven dollars just for driving a car that I'm not pulling up to a gas station. So and then my property on my house, you know, was like twenty seven hundred dollars. So if you do the math that's that's quite a bit of money to pay to um a state for just existing in it, um, on top of sales tax and everything else. So um, I think it's great that you guys are having this conversation. I hope that you can get it done. Um, I lived in Oregon State for since I was okay. a child, and we never I, had such involuntary servitude. Yeah One that I've wonders, ever seen one in my wonders life.
0: how they managed to survive without it, huh? Debbie, thank you so yeah. much for your call. I've got to go. I'm running late. Thank you. Hate to cut you short. Brian, how much time do I have left? 30 seconds. All right. I can't get to these other calls. I just don't have time. Senator Igel, thank you for spending a few minutes with us uh, and talking about the personal property tax. And we will chat with you again, I think, in two weeks.
3: I love it. I love it. Thanks so much, Gary. Uh, Merry Christmas to all your viewers, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to everybody real soon.
0: Okay. Senator, thank you. Uh, all right, uh, this horrible story out of Pittsburgh. When I tell you this story, if you haven't heard it already, when I tell you the story, you are going to want to puke. I don't care if you're pro-abortion or pro-life. This story will make you sick. Then Jennifer Bukowski, she's coming on at 1035. Gary Nolan, Zimmer Radio Network. This is The Gary Nolan Show.